0: Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place, Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. And so today we're going to talk about the principle of forgiveness. The message title is family forgiveness. And here's the truth. We're going to learn from the story of Joseph, but this is our key principle today, that forgiveness of our family members actually releases kingdom blessings. And the opposite is also true. Unforgiveness of our family members can withhold kingdom blessings. And we're going to look at this story of Joseph. I'm going to uh, summarize the whole thing for you. I don't have a lot of time to do it, but I want to take you through the story And then we're going to read a little bit in Genesis 45 and really even grapple with what forgiveness is because there's a lot of debate and confusion about it, okay? So are you hearing me that forgiving our family is what we have to do? And when we do it, we step into kingdom blessings. It flows to us in a new and greater measure. Amen? Amen. So let's pray before we jump into this story and just pray again that the Lord would speak to us. Father, we're asking you now to speak through your written word. Lord, just like Paul said that uh, the Word was manifested upon the preaching of the Word. God, we pray that the Word would be manifested upon the preaching of this Word. That the person of Jesus would be made manifest, real, tangible in this place, on this live stream, today, as we hear your Word, as your Word is revealed. Come on, let's speak to our ears, say ears open, ears open. I pray, God, that your voice would be heard within my voice, that the opinion of man would silence And that the voice of God would ring out. God, I pray for grace. to Speak as an oracle of the Lord right now. Just like it says in your word. That you would speak through me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Come on, say amen. It's for you. That's for you. So be it unto me. When you say amen. That's good. I want that. I want that to happen right here. Target. Amen. Paints a target on your person. It says right here. Okay. Amen. Some of you still won't say amen no matter what I say. (laughs) Don't amen that. Okay. All right. Let's go through this story. And I hope that during this story you'll start to see that there is hope for your family no matter how messed up it is. Okay. Because the story of Joseph, whoo boy. Talk about families that I would not pick to start. A nation with like these are not this would not be at the top of my list okay these brothers the way this story goes is just it's pretty crazy and maybe you've seen you know uh the movie or the the i keep forgetting his name the is it Donnie osmond or whatever the coat of many car- colors or i was marked by that movie as a child <laughs> so my mom is laughing we watched it that's like when i think of joseph in his coat that's what i think of you know anyway but joseph if you start in genesis 37 Uh, he has these dreams, and he's already the favorite of his father, Jacob. You know, he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That Jacob has sons, okay? And one of them is Joseph. He has 12 sons. One of them is Joseph, and Joseph was Jacob's favorite, you know? And right there, you can start to see that that would create problems. You got 12 brothers, and you got one favorite, and everybody knows it. Problems, right? Family tension right there. But the favorite son has these dreams, and the dream is pretty potent. It says, he interprets it even. He says, all of you are going to bow down to me. You know, and he's like, this is what's going to happen. You're, all my brothers are going to bow down to me. And then he has another dream. He says, my father and my mother too, everybody, the moon and the stars, everybody's going to bow down to me. And the problem is, he was right about the dream, wrong about the delivery. All right? Let me help you. If you got a dream like that, shut up. Just write it down, date it. Market, don't share that kind of thing. Okay? Because it will not sound right to anybody but you. Okay. So his brothers already don't like him, right? And then he shares these dreams. They're like, that's it. They really up the, you know, the hatred level and they start to really get nasty towards him. And in Genesis 37, 12 through 36, again, I'm summarizing, Joseph's brothers actually conspire to kill him. We're going to kill the favorite son. Like, this is a real story of a real family, y'all. Like, and this is really how the family that God chose to start Israel with. (laughs) Yeah. So they're they're like, we're going to kill him. And Judah is one of the loudest voices, and brother Judah. And he's like, oh, yeah, let's kill this kid. And Reuben, the oldest, says, no, 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 let's not kill him. Let's just throw him in a pit. Let's just throw him in a pit. And leave him there. Let's not kill him. That'll break our. Blood. Like this is the sec. This is like the better plan. Throw him in a pit. That's better. Something he can't get out of. And Reuben actually, it says in the story that he actually intended to come back later and rescue Joseph. So this is the older brother trying to mitigate the situation, but he didn't have the 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 uh, position or power in his family to stop them from doing something. You hear this? He wasn't even able to say, "No, guys, that stop. Stop that." And they were like, they were going to kill him, and he knew it. So he tried to mitigate. This is crazy talk, all right? This is crazy. So while Reuben is away, before he can get back to Joseph, they sell him into slavery. They know they're like, Reuben's not going to let us get away with this. Let's sell him. And they sell him to the Midianites uh, for 20 shekels of silver. Joseph is taken to Egypt, and he's sold to Potiphar, who is one of Pharaoh's officers. And the brothers deceive their father, Jacob. And they dip the coat, they take his coat and they dip it in blood and say, see, a wild animal has devoured your son. So they sell their brother into slavery and they lie to their dad about it, saying he's dead. Feeling better about your family yet? Feeling a little bit more settled? Okay. I feel encouraged. (laughs) I got three brothers. We don't always get along, but not on this level. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Praise the Lord. Genesis 39, 1 through 23, talks about Joseph in Potiphar's house that he prospers because how many know the gifts and calls of God are irrevocable without repentance? Meaning, God's never going to take back the calling that He puts on your life, no matter how messed up you are. That's why people can operate in really low character and still have mighty miracles and, ma- and amazing ministries run through them. You know what I mean? That's why, because the gifts and calls of God are without repentance. Let me help you. Your gifting doesn't verify your character. It's a gift for a reason. You didn't earn it. So you can have really crappy character and have high gifting. Absolutely. So you might be looking at me like, oh, that guy, whatever. You think I have gifts or whatever. has no bearing on my character. You know about my character? Ask my wife. Ask my children. And let them be honest with you. That's how you'll know. Okay. Moving on. Joseph. Prospers and house. He goes from the pit. To Potiphar's house, this is alliterated for Baptists like me, I believe, that the Lord knew Baptists would love three Ps in a poem. And so Pat, from the pit to Potiphar's house, right, it keeps going. And while he's there, he's he becomes the favorite again. It's crazy. This keeps happening, right? And Potiphar's wife lies about him and says he tries to seduce her. And he didn't do anything wrong, okay? He didn't do anything wrong by being his daddy's favorite either. Like, he didn't ask for it. He just he just was, right? He messed up by sharing the dream thing. That was bad. But, you know, and then he didn't do anything wrong. In Potiphar's house, he gets blamed for it. So he gets thrown into prison. So pit, Potiphar's house, prison. It's great. It's great. It's not great, but it's a great story. If you're bored in your Christianity, read your Bible, bro. I mean, it is, it's awesome. It's crazy. So he's thro- thrown there. But guess what? He gains favor in the prison. With the prison keeper, all right? <laughs> and he gets buddied with him. Some people, you know, you see these people that, like no matter where they go, whatever's happening around them, like they got like that, that golden touch or whatever, it just happens around them. That was Joseph, okay? So while he's in the, the prison, he actually, um, in Genesis 41 through 23, he interprets some more dreams. He's a dreamer. He has a gift of interpretation. And he interprets the dreams of Pharaoh's baker and his cupbearer. Okay, they both have dreams, and he tells the cup baker, or the, the baker, you're going to die, and he tells the cupbearer, you're going to live, it's going to be fine, and it happens. The, banker, the baker is hanged, the cup bearer is restored, and the cupbearer gets to work with Pharaoh again, at, right up there with him in the palace, and he forgets about old Joe. He forgets about Joseph. Come on, he did him a solid, he's like, he, he knows what happened to the other guy. He's like, you're dead you're going to live. And then the guy who lives forgets about Joseph in the prison. He's just there. No fault of his own. And in Genesis 41, I'm summarizing 1 through 57 here, Pharaoh has two dreams, and no one can interpret them. Seeing the pattern here, Joseph had two dreams. The cupbearer, the baker, dreams. Pharaoh, two dreams. All right. And all of a sudden, the cupbearer whose life was preserved by the prophetic word of Joseph, you know, in some ways. He goes, oh, yeah, there's this guy, and he was my cell, he was my cellmate. He was my cellie, and he knows how to do this thing with dreams, and none of your guys are doing it. Go get Joseph out of prison. So they bring Joseph out of prison to Pharaoh's palace. So we got, what, the pit, (laughs) Potiphar's house, Prison, now the palace. Oh, yeah. It just makes a Baptist happy. <laughs> it does. You'll remember it. You'll remember it. And so he interprets the dreams that there's going to be seven years of plenty, abundance, and seven years of famine. And then Pharaoh does this crazy thing. He just has an inmate interpret his dreams, a guy from prison. And he says, you know what? Because you're interpreted, you're in charge now. Talk about the favor of God that goes with you. Like, it's just some dude from jail. I mean, who knows? He he didn't go, uh, because he said there's going to be plenty, that there's going to be famine, and that's what the dreams mean. And he didn't go, oh, and by the way, I'm a famine expert, and I've got a resume and a history, and I'm really good at it. No. Pharaoh's like, because you interpreted it, you're in charge of it. You understood the dream? You'll know what to do. Talk about empowering everyone. Oh, my gosh. It's a crazy town, right? Pharaoh knows how to do it better than the church somehow. All right, keeping on. Um, It's okay. You can take a deep breath. Whoo, I felt that. Pharaoh elevates Joseph to the highest position in Egypt, like his right hand, you guys, like right hand. At one point, Joseph says, I become a father to Pharaoh. What? So he wasn't just like second in command, like vice president. He was like an authority over Pharaoh. He was some spiritual father to Pharaoh what happened and what he predicted came to pass seven years of plenty seven years of famine during the first couple years of the famine genesis 42 1 through 38 jacob remember that guy he the father he sends 10 of joseph's brothers to egypt to buy grain due to the famine because joseph had worked up and and used the years of plenty to have an abundance to sell off to others, So because of his wisdom, he had, there was provision for their family. So as they come to Pharaoh and to his palace, they meet Joseph. And Joseph's in charge of who gets the grain. And Joseph recognizes his brothers, but they don't recognize him. He's been living in Egypt. He's working through an interpreter. And he knows who they are. And he accuses them of being spies. He knows they're not spies, but he accuses them. He says, no, 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 you're not brothers, you're spies. They're like, no, 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 we are. We're from one man. His name is Jacob. We had, there were 12 of us. One of them, uh, you know, we don't want to talk about it. But the other one's back home, you know, with 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 our dad, Jacob, and the other one is no more. Is what it says he is no more. And Joseph's like, no, you're spies. I don't believe you. And so he actually takes Simeon, one of the brothers, as a hostage and sends them back to Jacob and says, until I see Benjamin, you won't see my face again. I have to see Benjamin. I have to see that other brother. To know you're telling the truth, I'm going to keep one. You go back and get the rest of them, and then I know you're telling the truth. He knows they're telling the truth. He's trying to get them all in front of him, right? So the brothers return to Canaan, but this interesting stuff happens. All of their money is back in their their grain sacks. The grain and the money is returned, what the money they were going to use to buy the grain. And they don't know what's going on. They're, they're, afraid, they're afraid. They're like, they're going to think we stole the money. We don't know what to do. So they just go. And then the famine continues. And a whole chapter later, Genesis 43, 1 through 34, um, Jacob finally relents and sends Benjamin because Benjamin is his baby boy, okay? He's the youngest. And he's like, I've already lost Joseph. Ain't no way I'm sending Benjamin with all you rascals. Into, I'm not doing it. All right? It's like the next favorite one. Like, I already lost a favorite. You, you can't have this one. And he finally relents. Now, I want you to think about how messed up that is. Okay? Joseph kept Simeon as a hostage. And for about a chapter and a half, Jacob's like, you're not going back. Because if Benjamin has to go, you're not going. He's, Leave Simeon as a prisoner. I got Benjamin. It's fine. He's like sacrificing one of his sons for the sake of another one. This family is not right. I mean, really. Right? you seeing this. Okay. The brothers finally convince, and Judah actually says to his father, I promise you on my life, Benjamin will return to you. Okay? So they bring Benjamin back. Joseph sees all the brothers. He sees Benjamin, and he's moved to tears. He hides himself, but he throws a feast for them. And they're just very confused at this point. They're like, wait a minute. (sighs) Okay, we're not spies, but now we're eating in his house. We were spies, and now we're eating in his house. What is happening? We don't know what's going on. But uh, Genesis 44, 1 through 34, he sends them out of the city with grain in their sacks again. And he says, go with the money they bought. And Jacob hides his cup in Benjamin's sack. And he has the guards stop them at the gate and search them, you know, random search. Right? And they find the cup in Benjamin's grain sack. And if you don't know anything about this cup, I don't have a lot of time, but Joseph actually, it says that it was his cup of divination. Get this. He was not divining by a cup, but the Egyptians thought he was. And so he put the one thing that they thought was most important in a very precarious place. He knew it, it's, just a, it's just a silver cup, you know, but he's like, they all think I hear voices from the cup. I'm going to put the the voice cup in a sack and they're all going to freak out. He stole the divine cup. The the cup because of the cup bearer and all the things and all, you know. It's like, "Oh no, we're not going to know the future without that cup." And you know, so Joseph knows it's no big deal, but everybody's freaking out. They're like, oh, "It's the cup." And all the brothers are like, Benjamin, why? Bro, we were almost out of here. We got Simeon back. We got the grain. What are you doing, bro? Why did you steal the man's cup? What are you doing? Can you imagine Benjamin going, I I didn't do it. I didn't do it. And the brother's like, yeah, right. You You thought it was shiny. You liked it. You wanted it. You know, you're his favorite. Here we go, a favorite, getting a nice thing again. Like, can you hear the arguments? These are brothers, all right? Yeah. So they're in big trouble here, and Judah steps in and says, don't take Benjamin. Remember, he offered his life. He said, no, no, he said, take me instead. He says to Joseph and everyone, says, don't do it. If, if Benjamin doesn't return to our father, he will die. Take me. I don't care what you do with me. Take me. And he lays down his life for his brother. And Joseph couldn't take it anymore. Joseph had had enough. Genesis 45, verse 4 through 5. I have this on the screen for you. It says, Joseph began to weep. He He was overcome. And it says, So Joseph said to his brothers, Come near to me, please. And they came near. Now, remember, these are the dudes. Hated him, sold him into slavery. This has been years of turmoil. I mean, I don't know how many years, 20, 30, 40 years maybe. Like, this is a long time, long history of pain. What did he say? He said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. Imagine their insides right now. (gasps) He's crying. Benji stole his cup. You're actually Joseph Joseph. What's going to happen next, right? Like, what's about to happen? They don't know. He said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold in Egypt. And now, do not be distressed or angry with yourselves. What? Do not be distressed or angry with yourselves. He just gave you the definition of forgiveness right there. He said, forgive yourself. Because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. That's a man who forgave his family a long time ago. (laughs) Jump down to verse 9, Genesis 45, 9 through 15. He says, hurry up and go to my father and say to him, thus says your son Joseph, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. That's a title reserved for Pharaoh, just so you know. Come down to me and do not tarry. You shall dwell in the land of Goshen and you shall be near me. You, your children and your children's children and your flocks, your herds and all that you have. There I will provide for you for there are yet five years of famine to come. So that you and your household and all that you have do not come to poverty. And now your eyes see and the eyes of my brother Benjamin see that it is my mouth that speaks to you. You must tell my father of all my honor in Egypt and all that you have seen. Hurry and bring my father down here. Then he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept. And Benjamin wept upon his neck. And he kissed all his brothers and wept upon them. After this, the brothers talked with him. That means they just, they just, it was a family reunion, bro. They sat down and they just talked. What's dad been doing? How has he been? What, ha- what's, what happened to mom? Catch me up, guys. Man. The whole family for generations is brought into health. They're provided for because one man forgave. It goes on to say, verse 16, Genesis 45, 16 through 20, when the report was heard in Pharaoh's house, Joseph's, brother, Joseph's brothers have come. It pleased Pharaoh and his servants. And that's shorthand for saying he heard the story. Like, Joseph, and he's hugging them, kissing them. He's okay. He put, a, he put the cup in the sack. Uh, we don't know, like, why he did that, whatever. And now they're all hugging and kissing. And it's great. And it says, it pleased Pharaoh and his servants. And Pharaoh said to Joseph... Say to your brothers, do this. Load your beasts and go back to the land of Canaan and take your father and your households and come to me and I will give you the best land of Egypt. Pharaoh one-ups Joseph. He's like, no, 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 no. no. You're not going to bless them. I'm going to bless them. I can do better than you, Joseph. You know, I'm going to give them. I will give them the best land of Egypt, and you shall eat the fat of the land. And you, Joseph, are commanded to say, do this. Take wagons from your land of Egypt for your little ones and for your wives and bring your father and come. He says, don't even make him walk. You understand what's happening here? Pharaoh is unleashing provision, royal level capacity to bring and migrate an entire family from one region to another. This does not happen. You understand, like, Pharaoh is not a righteous dude, technically. Like, Pharaoh <laughs> Pharaoh is not, like, just all of a sudden, like, oh, yeah, I remember my my Christian heritage, and I remember the right thing to do. No. He's gripped and inspired by one man who forgave his brothers. Come on. He says, have no concern for your goods, for the best of all the land of Egypt is yours. He gave him the unlimited credit card. He was like, do your worst, bro. Go for it. Let me ask you a couple questions. What if your unforgiveness is withholding from your family line and the generations to come? So many times we put forgiveness into a very selfish category. You know, and it's true. We say things like unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping it hurts the other one. That's a true statement. It's true. But it makes it all about you again. (laughs) It's a fact, but I don't, I don't know, man. What if forgiveness, it goes way beyond you? What if God's plan to bless your family hinges on your willingness to forgive? Imagine if Joseph had not forgiven his brothers. What would Pharaoh have done then? He would have put them to death. He would have probably built the gallows. Joseph was very dear to him, right? If Joseph said, kill them all, Pharaoh would have done it laughing. Are you with me? This decision to forgive unleashed the blessings of Egypt onto this family. Let me ask you a second question. What if God's plans for establishing his kingdom sovereignly depend on your forgiveness of your family? You understand that these are the 12 tribes of Israel? These are the heads of the 12 tribes of Israel? You understand, like, God would work it out. Amen? I said sovereignly depend. God would work it out. But if Joseph had had his brothers killed, we would not have the the nation of Israel under those 12 tribes. You understand? God used Egypt to establish Israel as a nation because Joseph chose to forgive. They it says that 70 persons from Jacob's house came. They went from 70 persons entering Egypt to millions leaving Egypt with a deliverer later. From 70 to millions. Why? One man forgave. Come on. We got to define this though because people don't even understand what it means to forgive. What does it mean to forgive? Matthew 6, 11 through 12. This is right in the middle of what we call the Lord's Prayer. Jesus says, pray this way that kingdom come will be done. Then he says, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. You understand, here's the best definition of forgiveness. It's to release from all punishment. It's I release you from punishment. It doesn't ignore what was done. It refuses to punish the one who did it. This is the difference. Some of you think you've forgiven. You haven't forgiven. You brushed it under the rug. You tried to forget it. You said it was no big deal. It was a big deal. If you say things like it wasn't that bad, you know, I've, I've gotten over it. No, it was wrong what they did. Throwing their brother in the pit, wrong. Selling him, getting accused by Potiphar's wife, prison, wrong. Years of trauma, all because of their jealousy, that's wrong. And he refused to punish them for it. That's forgiveness. Forgiveness does not ignore the pain. It says, you did something horrible, and I will not be your punisher for it. It releases them from the debt. You know what it also does? It gives them to the Jesus, says, you have your way with them. I'm not going to be their judge or jury. You have your way with them. But this verse here, uh, this is chilling to me. How many know that Jesus forgave you of all your sins? Amen. Uh, we believe that. Amen. Amen. I still believe that, even though what I'm about to say is also true. I believe Jesus forgave us of all our sins, so don't forget that. But he said, pray this way. Ask God to forgive you the way you forgive. Ask the Father to forgive you the same measure you forgive others. That doesn't undo the finished work of Jesus. That doesn't mean you're you're unforgiven. I'm not saying you're earning salvation by your forgiveness. I'm saying Jesus said, pray this way. Father, Only forgive me in the capacity that I forgive them. Anybody got some forgiveness to do? Yeah. Why do we need to forgive? Because Jesus forgave us. That's the simple and obvious answer. But it's Colossians 2, 13 through 14. It says, and you say me. You who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, that means you were a Gentile, okay? God made alive together with him. With him. You understand? You were forgiven before you did anything wrong. He didn't wait for you to do anything to forgive you. He forgave you before you even did anything worth forgiving. Come on. All my sins were in the future when Jesus died for them. God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us. You say, forgive, but don't forget. No, we're going to talk about that in a second. Forgive and cancel the debt. Cancel the debt. Canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. So I'm going to say something strong, and it's totally true. Any measure of unforgiveness is unbelief in the finished work of Christ. Any measure of unforgiveness is unbelief in the finished work of Christ. I put it on the screen so you know that it's official. It's just something I say, but it makes a greater impact somehow when you put it in text. People are like, oh, he means it. I do mean it. Any measure of unforgiveness in your heart is rooted in unbelief in Colossians 2, 13 through 14, that he Forgave you of all your trespasses. Freely you've received, freely give. But they don't know what they did. Doesn't matter. Forgive them. But I can't trust them. Good. Different conversation. Forgiveness and trust are very different things. This is going to help somebody. Some of you are refusing to forgive because you can't see yourself trusting them. You don't have to trust them to forgive, you just have to believe the cross. The moment you forgive, you're brought back to zero, okay? You're brought back to neutral. There's no debt. But trust, rebuilding that takes time. Some of you are waiting until they're a trustworthy person to forgive them, and that's out of order, and you're in the wrong. Forgiveness is a matter of obedience and belief in what Jesus did. That's transactional. It can be done like this. It's not a feeling. It's a choice. It's actually the easy part. Forgiveness is the easy part, y'all. You're like, I have so much forgiveness. That's the easy part. The hard part is rebuilding trust with God-ordained relationships. Amen? And let me help you. Your family is God-ordained. You can get away with saying, yeah, those people, I'm not going to be around them again. Family's family, bro. And healthy family is God's starting point for heaven to invade Earth. (laughs) Healthy families learn to forgive quickly. Men, husbands, let me say something to you. Don't let her beat you to it. Say you're sorry first. Lead your house. Lead your house. Forgive first and forgive fast. Then let trust be built over time. They're different things. They've been conflated for too long. They are different things. I can forgive someone and not trust them as far as I can throw them. Had to do it many times. That trust has to be rebuilt. Are you hearing me? Is this helpful? I just want to believe the cross did what Jesus said it did. And then I just want to actually believe it. Like actually, like act like it's real. Actually. want To actualize The belief (laughs) by forgiving first and forgiving fast. The moment you do that, you unlock the blessings of the kingdom. It's actually later on in the story that the brothers actually come back to to Joseph because Jacob dies. And they say, please forgive us for what we did. They were afraid. Now They thought, oh, you just did that because you wanted to please dad. They didn't even believe it. They didn't even believe it. You know why? Because they hadn't forgiven themselves. But Joseph had already forgiven them. So some of you have a list of people you need to forgive, but the first person on that list should be you. Some of you have spiritual family you need to forgive. But do it. I mean, there's. I don't have any other eloquent way to say it. Like, what are you withholding from your family? What could you possibly be holding from generations to come? And why would you withhold it a minute longer? Would you stand? We're going to pray. We're going to have our prayer team come down. And if you have any, you're struggling with this because it's it's tough. But if you want help, this prayer team is here. They can help you walk through forgiveness. But I'm going to walk you through right now as well. If you have pain in your body, please come. If you want, If you need God to touch you, please come. And we're going to just all together right now, just close your eyes. Put your hand over your heart. Amen. And I want you to just, that person, that face that came up in your mind, that person that you know God's telling you to forgive right now, just do it, man. Choose today whom you will serve. Choose today. Choose to release them from punishment. This is how you do it. You say, Father, what they did was horrible. Come on. You can say it under your breath. You can say it in your heart. doesn't matter. What they did was terrible. They hurt me. It was painful. It was traumatic. It was awful. It caused me years of anguish. It caused me moments of, of terror. And I release them from punishment for it right now in Jesus' name. Because you've forgiven me, I forgive them. There is no debt between us. Come on. Make the choice. Some of you are struggling. Choose, obey or don't. Choose and let God ordain the steps of trust that come next. And while you're just doing business with the Lord, I want to say to everyone here, maybe you just heard for the first time or the hundredth time that you can be forgiven. That there's a man named Jesus who died on your behalf and in your place, and He didn't wait for you to do anything right to forgive you of all you would do wrong. <laughs> Maybe you're here and you've never received that forgiveness. I'll tell you what that's like. That's like having a house put in your name with the keys put in your hand and sitting on the front lawn sleeping in the elements night after night. Say, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. It's not mine. The Father is calling you home today. He says, come home. Walk in the door. The whole house is yours. I paid for it with the blood of my son. It's bought and paid for because Jesus didn't just die. He's picked himself up from the grave three days later. He stood himself up proving he is God Almighty. And he appeared to the disciples and then ascended into heaven. And he is seated there now commanding all people everywhere to repent and believe the good news that you are forgiven the moment you believe it's good news it's good news and God is offering to everyone here complete and total forgiveness not only that but the blessing of the Holy Spirit the blessings of the kingdom coming upon your life why would you be an idiot and refuse this why would you be such a fool to say I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Listen, one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. That's the truth. You bow now by choice or you bow then by obligation. It's time to bow the knee to King Jesus and receive the goodness and mercy of God. His forgiveness. And that's what this this team is here for. Don't leave. Don't walk out those doors into a living hell and possibly an eternal one. Come to Jesus. This team is here to receive you you today in that way, to receive you. If you are here and you're struggling, you need healing for your body, you can come too. If you're struggling with this message, like I just, I need someone to help me. These, they have faith for everyone down here. That's what this team lives and dies by. They have faith for everyone and they will intercede with you. They will contend with you. So don't leave without receiving that. But right now, I just want to pray for everyone here, everyone watching on live stream. Father God, would you move in power now? Would you move in might right now? And would you make us the best forgivers on the planet? (laughs) Show us the truth of this and let us walk in your grace to forgive first, to forgive fast, because we believe we've been forgiven of everything. Lord God, we receive you today as our forgiver. Come on. We receive you today. And God, we receive the blessing of your kingdom for our family, for our children, for our children's children and their children. And we thank you, Lord, that you're going to flow through these moments of forgiveness. God, I also pray that uh, the fear would be quelled. There's someone in here afraid of, to work on the trust thing. Lord, would you just alleviate the fear of that that beloved one right now? Don't be afraid. I will tell you when to talk to them. Some of you might have to wait 20 years. It might take years. It might take moments. It might take years. Let the Lord lead you. Be released of your fear of having to go and meet them today. You're not being sent to your abuser to be abused again. That's not happening. You are releasing them from punishment for all they've done. Amen. So, Lord, we thank you for great grace. Great grace. Come on, church, say that. Great grace right now. Great grace over this congregation. Great grace to forgive our spiritual family members. Great grace to forgive ourselves, to release ourselves from punishment because you already paid the price. Why are we trying to pay it again? We believe you, Jesus, and we receive you in this way. In Jesus' name we pray, amen? Amen. Come on, was that helpful? Let's say thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place, Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.